that you may take hold of the life that really is life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is a festive day here at All Saints, with the blessing of the animals for St. Francis Day. It is also the annual Social Media Sunday across the Episcopal Church nationwide. And so we can't let the day pass without getting a congregational selfie. Okay? So if you'll indulge me. On the count of three, I want you to say, we are all saints. Are you ready? One, two, three. We are all saints. Amen. And you have amnesty if you'd like to pull out your phones and uh, follow us on Facebook or Instagram this morning, or especially if you would like to give on Venmo. We'll take, we'll take all forms of payment. I love social media. It's a great tool for communicating with friends and family around the world. But it's not real life, is it? What a line from Paul to his young apprentice, Timothy, that you may take hold of the life that really is life. I do not think that any of us would be here this morning if somewhere deep down we did not have a yearning for that something more, that life that really is life. And yet so often in our human folly and foolishness, we take hold of the things that aren't really life, don't we? And even worse, how many of you have caught yourself trying to manufacture some kind of profound or um, exciting experience? Well, this past week was my third anniversary to the, my ordination to the priesthood, and it gave me occasion to remember and reflect on that event. It is something like a wedding. I was the only person ordained at that service. And of course, in the Roman Catholic tradition, it really is a wedding, right? By which you are bound to Christ and the church. And so I wanted it to be perfect. And amidst all the sending of invitations and making sure the bulletin was set and the music was prepared and wanting to really have a profound and sacred and transformative ordination experience, I had the clever idea to invest in a recent innovation. You see, I've struggled my whole life with a condition called deuteranopia. Has anyone heard of it? It's the fancy word for red-green colorblindness. It doesn't mean that I can't see red and green. It doesn't mean that I see in total grayscale. It does mean that I'm disqualified from ever flying an airplane. And it also means that I perceive uh, the relationship between colors a little bit differently than most of you. Well, around this time, I learned of a company called Enchroma that had developed a special pair of glasses that actually corrects colorblindness in people. And I was elated to discover this, and I had just enough time to spend $400 to have these special glasses rush ordered to my house just in time for the ordination. And so the day the package arrived, I was so excited I ran to my apartment. I considered turning on a video camera 
uh, so that I could go viral with this experience of tears of joy as my life was uh, totally changed. Uh, very good marketers. When you open the package, there's a packet of colored balloons so that you can uh, enhance the sure celebration of the moment. So I took the glasses out. I braced myself. I held my breath. I closed my eyes. I slid on the glasses. And as you may have predicted, it was overwhelmingly underwhelming. They did not work. I was glad that I still had time to cash in on my money-back guarantee, and I sent them back to the manufacturer. But you know what? My ordination was still a beautiful occasion in which I experienced God in the full spectrum of color and radiance and glory, not because of my silly glasses, but because of the real love and fellowship that I shared with the saints of God that night. The real stuff. The real stuff. How often in life do we buy our toys? Do we think that the life that's really worth living can be acquired through the externals, right? And yet that was a reminder for me that the real riches of God's grace are internal. Internal mysteries and wonder and joy. Perhaps you've heard the short story by the author who imagines an interview with God. God is asked, what surprises you most about humanity? And God responds, these humans rush to grow up, then long for childhood once more. They spend all this effort, they lose their health to make money, and then they spend all their money to restore their health. They live for the future such that they miss the present. They live as if they will never die, and then they die as if they have never lived. St. Francis was right, wasn't he? It is in giving ourselves away that we receive. Ultimately, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Today in Luke's Gospel, Jesus grapples with the reality of life and death in the parable of the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus, who sits at his gate waiting for the crumbs from his table. And then in the cosmic reversal, Lazarus, who suffered in life, receives the comforts and pleasures of heaven while the rich man endures the flames. Now, as intellectual and reasonable Episcopalians, we take solace in that we know we don't have to interpret this story as a literal depiction of eternal reward and punishment. And yet, an allegorical interpretation is nearly as chilling, isn't it? In many ways, this parable describes the world that we live in. I am struck by the proximity in this parable of paradise and hell right next to, to one another. The rich man can see Lazarus in paradise, and yet he can't touch him. So close, and yet so far away, separated by this chasm that cannot be passed. It is fixed. 
We know these chasms in our world, don't we? These impassable chasms between the haves and the have-nots, between us and them. In our very city of Atlanta, two parallel worlds coexist in the same geographical area. You may have read recently that Atlanta has been dubbed the income inequality capital of America. If you are born into poverty in the city of Atlanta, there is only a 4% chance that you will ever escape it, contrasted to the only slightly better 10% chance in the rest of the country. As we extend our sight beyond this city, we see chasms of inequality and suffering at every corner of the world, at our own nation's borders. Increasing numbers of refugees suffer and wait for the crumbs of our abundance as they flee home and country out of danger and out of terror. And then as we look across the globe, still so many ignore the cries of those who uh, predict climate change catastrophe if we do not change our ways soon. In fact, if we do not reduce carbon emissions in coming years, there will be an impassable chasm that is fixed, that cannot be changed, that is irreversible, leading to devastation around the world. Chasms that cannot be passed through. Well, where in the world could the good news be for us this morning? Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks in unusual ways, and as I've been contemplating this scripture, the words of a modern mystic have been ringing through my ears. A modern mystic named Adele. And her hit 2015 song, Hello from the Other Side. Hello from the Other Side. I think that's a pretty good paraphrase of Jesus' life and ministry and his call to us. Hello from the other side. Jesus Christ, the one we Christians know as the one who calls to us from the other side of despair, the other side of our fears, the other side of our trauma and disgrace, saying, I know the way up out of the grave. Jesus Christ calls to us from the other side of death in this world that we might journey with him into the life that really is life. And not only that, but that we might join with him and all the prophets in every age to say there is a better way. There is a more abundant way where everyone has enough, where there is abundance for the whole world. Today, we encounter the prophet Jeremiah, who is leading his people through oppression, through Babylonian exile. He himself is incarcerated under enemy rule. It's not a natural time to be striking up new real estate deals. But if you were paying attention, that's exactly what Jeremiah does. In the face of exile, Jeremiah purchases land after receiving a vision from God when his people will return, and once again their streets and land will be filled with vineyards and marketplaces and homes. A distant future given to him by the God who says hello from the other side. 
hello from a hopeful future. Come. This is not the first or last time that there are significant real estate and property deals in the Bible. You might remember in the prophet Isaiah, he receives a vision of the exiles returning home. And what happens is they found that as they've been gone for hundreds of years, they return home to squatters, people that have taken up residence in their homes and in their places of worship. And so God commends them to establish a house of prayer for all people where all may live together. You see, the problem back then and now is that as different populations and communities and demographics inhabit properties and migrate and come back, there are these co very complex questions around who does the land really belong to? We experience this in cities across America today through gentrification, right? Many people left the cities back in the you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and now there is an unprecedented draw to return to city centers. We're seeing this right here in Midtown. This is happening. And there are great benefits. It stimulates the economy. It revives arts. It brings life and energy and vitality back into the city centers. And yet, people who have been living here, people who have been doing businesses here, um, are often displaced. And so we have these complex questions of who does the land rightfully belong to? As Christians, we believe that all the land belongs to God already. We believe that all the money we could ever give belongs to God already. We inhabit a kingdom that is in this world, but not of this world. And our task is to proclaim that kingdom of peace and mercy and justice in this age and in the age to come. All Saints has an incredible, incredible opportunity in coming years to imagine and envision what would it look like to grow and develop this city block for the flourishing of the whole world, for the establishment of God's kingdom here on earth. Can you feel the incredible excitement of that opportunity and the responsibility? God only knows what will emerge after an intentional process of listening and discerning and dreaming and planning with our community's best interests in mind. But as we move forward, I hope you will join me in prayer, and I hope that we together can commit ourselves to being a people who go out into this city of Atlanta and the entire world to say, dear people of God, heaven and earth may just be closer than you ever thought. Amen.